0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: The Athletic.
2: And it's Super Cooper leads the Garibaldi. Forrest having fun. Cooper, you're the one. Take us back where we belong. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Welcome in then, listener, to our final pod of the season. Is it going to be my final pod ever? Am I still allowed to host this thing, given what happened on Sunday? All these questions and more will be answered in the fullness of time. It's me, Matt Davis-Adams, here with you with my two podcasting pals, Adrian Clark. Hello, Matt. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Sam Parkin's back with us too. Hi, Sam.
1: Morning, Matt. What are you doing here?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's it's one of those progressive hangovers, is the thing as well. It's creeping up on me as the day goes on. But hey, we can bask for a little longer. Uh, I'm sure we will. Of course, also talk about Port Vale demolishing Mansfield in the League Two playoff final. But we can start with Sunday's game at Wembley. Come on, it's a
3: Area. oh
1: good decision and it goes the way of forest and a yellow card for harry toffolo it is
0: nottingham forest time again a
3: generation has grown up without premier league football at the city ground
1: yeah we, we deserve this today there's no doubt about that we deserve it
2: So, 23 years later, Nottingham Forest are back in the Premier League. They beat Huddersfield Town by a goal to nil in the Championship playoff final. Levi Colwill putting through his own net just before halftime. That was pretty much that, save for some questionable refereeing. Uh, I want to start with the tweet of the decade from my friend and saviour, Jed Spence, who pointed out to Neil Warnock that maybe he made a mistake in giving him to Forest. The season. Oh, where's my manners? says Jed. Welcome to Twitter at Warnock Official. The accompanying picture sees Jed smoking a cigar in the dressing room. And fair play to Neil Warnock. He was quick to reply. He seems to be a dab hand at Twitter, actually. Well done, Jed. I did say you were probably league or non league. Glad you listened and took my advice on board. Now go and enjoy your success. Those cigars won't do you any good, though, son. Winking face emoji from Neil Warnock. That's 2022 for you. Uh, Clarky, you and I were there. I suspect you probably maintained your composure a little better than I. Fair to say it's not a classic. Was it the right result?
4: I think it was the right result. I don't think Huddersfield really did enough to win the game. It it wasn't a classic. It was was tight. It was cagey. We had two managers that are very good at, at nullifying opponents' strengths. Obviously, the pressure was huge and and yeah, it was the type of game, I think, in the first half that Forest don't really want. They don't want that much of the ball. But they did press and they did they did sort of eventually sort of grind their way to, towards scoring a goal. They were the aggressors. And I think over the course of the 90 minutes, even though they, they retreated and retreated and it was all Huddersfield in the second half, I think they were the better side over the course of the 90 minutes. And yeah, worthy winners. It's not a match that will live long in the memory, but... It was a treat to be there, and the, and the noise um, from the Nottingham Forest end and the, and the singing was was great. It really was. It was a it was a joy to be a part of it, and uh, yeah, I, I th- yeah, very special occasion. Let's talk about that atmosphere then, Adrian, because it, it was exceptional, and and Forest
2: fans have obviously got a lot of the plaudits for that because there were slightly more of them there. Maybe you would say, but but actually, the the occasion felt like it was all handled in the right spirit. You know, there was there was no sort of sense of rancour or aggression about anything that I saw anywhere in the day. It was two teams and two sets of supporters who wanted to enjoy themselves, essentially, regardless of the result and, and were focused on the football match and, and supporting their teams, which is kind of the point.
4: Definitely, and it's how it should always be. Yeah, I travelled in um, on an overground train. It had equal... Huddersfield and Nottingham Forest fans, and you know they were they were just chatting away. It was all very friendly. Got to the ground, and it just seemed like there were Forest everywhere. And there were long queues to get into the the turnstiles, but everyone was patient. There was not not a sign of trouble at all. And and yeah, it just struck me how early everybody got in there. And maybe maybe after what happened in the Champions League final, that was on people's minds. And and there were so many there to greet the teams when they came out for the warm up. It was a real roar to greet Forest, and it, yeah, that sea of red. Because I I was just I was in the press box just to the to the right, so I was I was in amongst the Forest fans. So it felt noisier, but yeah, the the Tire and the other songs, they yeah, it, it was fantastic, and it was also so tense, so tense, wasn't it? It was. Um, it was. You could sense the nerves. You really could. Um, but 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 what I did admire from Forest fans in the six minutes of injury time was that they tried to sing their way through it, rather than sort of just whistle their way through it. And I, I thought that was admirable because they 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 must have been in bits. Yeah, on the kind of fan experience, I think we probably queued up for about
2: half an hour to get in it's not particularly helpful that there aren't many people around to, to, to kind of guide that process and it's all automated obviously with the with the ticket barriers which i think is, is something that could maybe do uh, with a review but generally really good as i say we were in for about half an hour some people required sustenance in that time oddly bloke next to me took out a large zip freezer bag just full of mashed up tuna and sweet corn put his paw into that and kept dipping in and out of it one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. Um, mercifully though, it's not my lasting memory of the day. Uh, Sam, Huddersfield came with a, a game plan to kind of frustrate Forrest but they they almost forgot to attack themselves. A couple of good mo- moments for Sorba Thomas in in the first half, particularly when he managed to, to pull Worrell wide but, but other than that, pretty disappointing attacking display from the Terriers.
1: Yeah, I thought so. I thought Sorba Thomas was actually... A little bit disappointing. I don't know if he was he was fit. He was a bit better when he went a bit more central uh, over to the right hand side and had a bit of a go at Coleback for a period in that second half. And obviously Steve Cooper reacted to that by making the change and pushing pushing Coleback into midfield. But yeah, other than the set pieces, really, where there's always going to be a threat with with Huddersfield. Um, I thought they were pretty flat. The game plan was to to counter, and it didn't really pay off. I actually probably felt with hindsight now, he probably got his team wrong. And that's a big shout considering how good Corbaran's been. I think Hogg instead of Saar in the back three from the off and I would have started John Russell. I think he showed when he came on, maybe he wasn't in the right areas. He wasn't hurting Forrest, but he picked up the tempo straight away. I thought he was fantastic. Hardly wasted a pass. He's played the last 17 games in their entirety. So that must've been a hell of a blow for that young man to miss out. And I thought they looked a better side as soon as they changed. So yeah, maybe Corbrand on the big day, maybe just got it wrong slightly.
2: It's interesting that isn't it Clark? Because we've been praising his, his tactical versatility all season, maybe just
4: one trick too many. Yeah, I, I feel exactly the same way as Sam. I, I think he did pick the wrong team. Sar struggled. I'm not his biggest fan, if I'm being honest. And I just think it was an unnecessary change. Yeah, it was all about the counter-attack, wasn't it, in the first half? I think putting Sorba Thomas on the left was maybe designed to to put Jed Spence off of going forward. It didn't really work because he still did he still did fly forward. But what it did, it put him up against Warrell. And he did skip round him a couple of times and there were he had a few good runs. But it was the end product, wasn't it? It just was missing. From Sorba Thomas and from all of the Huddersfield players, really. It didn't deliver that quality into the box that they've been so good at throughout the season. I think it was just too cautious, a team selection from Huddersfield's point of view. Then, of course, they had to flip it around on its head uh, from half-time onwards. And, and you know, they huffed and puffed. But Forrest back three were really, really solid, weren't they? I think they got better the longer the game went on. That, that, that rear guard... And, and I also thought that Yates and, and Garner put in a real shift. They were everywhere. They really were. And, and yeah, if, if a defender was beaten, they were ordinarily there on the cover. So um, yeah, a, a frustrating day from Huddersfield. When you have no shots on target, no matter what the refereeing decision is, you can't have too many you know complaints, I don't think, about about not winning the game.
1: Stuart Pearce was was good on the uh, the goal, actually, and Saar's positioning, something that maybe me as a front man wouldn't pick up. You know, Saar was... Um, his positioning, he was a bit too far to the left rather than being in the line of the goal, which sounds like quite a simple thing, but obviously that would have cut off the, the delivery from Ghana. So, yeah, that was a little bit of a minor error probably leading up to the goal. I thought Holmes for Sonani as well was a, was a good change. Sonani didn't turn up at all. And those midfield players, wire players didn't give any ammunition to, to Wardu. I don't think he had a, an opportunity, did he? So, um, yeah, he's been, had such a productive season on the biggest day. He wasn't supplied with any ammunition at all. And yet. They
2: will obviously rage at those two penalties that weren't Jack Colback on Harry Toffolo, resulting in a booking for the Huddersfield man, and then Max Lowe's foul on O'Brien too. Even I will concede that the low one looked like a pretty clear penalty. Uh, Clarkie, you pointed out on Twitter that, that VAR doesn't really work. I mean, it's on well, the totally it's, football. It's not shape. the technology.
4: It's just the it's just
2: it's the, the offic- people operating of it, right? And, the, the, and and the, the other thing, as pointed out by Michael Cox on this morning's uh, Totally Football show, it, it doesn't it undermine the integrity of the competition anyway if you
4: effectively changing the rules for it for for the last game. I, I did say it. I, I said I, I wish it wasn't there. It hasn't been there the whole season, and it was kind of pointless being there, wasn't it? Because they didn't didn't really do anything. I think it's the standard of officiating and that that is the problem really it's not it's obviously nothing to do with technology in this in this instance for me in my opinion and i know a lot of people disagree on this i thought the first one was the correct call in my opinion toffolo was looking to initiate the contact and that and that coleback had sort of stuck his leg out and just pulled it away in the nick of time and i think the threshold for giving a penalty should be higher than that I really do, and I, I've gone. I've banged on about this all season that the threshold for giving penalties should be a bit higher. That for me wasn't enough to to, to give a penalty because the defender didn't clatter into the player. The player, in my opinion, clattered into him. That the second one is a penalty, and it's it's pretty disgraceful that that Tierney, uh on VAR didn't didn't flag that immediately. We had a very very quick restart, and by which time it's all it's all gone, isn't it? I think that one needed to be looked at. And had John Moss gone to the monitor, I would have been staggered if they hadn't given it. So, so yeah, Forrest undoubtedly got lucky.
1: Both pens for you, Sam. I'm the other way. Actually, I thought that O'Brien initiated the contact, stepping across. He uh, did step across for the, for the yeah. second one. Honestly, Clarky, I don't know if you've seen it on the um, on the uh, the replays back. Jack Colback crossed himself after the uh, (laughs) uh, the VAR delay. I mean, (laughs) it's a penalty. Colback knew it was a penalty. And and you could argue, if you look at the reaction of, of Lowe, Low when he uh, is on the deck, he has got a guilty look on his face as well. So both of <laughs> them could have quite easily been given. I, I think the first one's a penalty. I think there's definite contact. And I think Jack Colback said as much afterwards, but maybe that it was initiated by Toffolo. So very unlucky not to get at least one. The only <laughs> clear and obvious thing about any of it is that uh, John Moss has obviously made a horrendous mistake. <laughs>
2: Yeah sales at the vinyl whistle might be uh, not so hot from uh, from Huddersfield supporters for the next couple of yeah. months. Is
1: it is
4: it too late for the championship to to backtrack on bringing VAR in next <laughs> season? I mean yeah, it's um fraught with danger and yeah I don't I just don't think it improves it. Having a second look and still getting it wrong happens over and over and over again. Let's just trust our natural instincts, I think, and and leave the technology for, for goal line incidents and offsides. Well, I just feel fans can
2: console themselves in the knowledge that Bree Samba, even on one leg, would have saved the penalty. Anyway, um, he did eventually have to be replaced. I think we all thought he was just doing Bree Samba things and putting it on, but it turns out he actually did look... Pretty injured, uh, as you could see, in the full-time celebrations, which were amazing, Sam, and I particularly enjoyed the moment that Steve Cooper took to just go and sit down and have a second to himself before he realised you can't do that when there's a camera pointing in your face. But clearly moved by the emotion of it, you know, 12 months on from having lost the final with Swansea, he managed to steer Forrest from bottom of the table to the Premier League.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was amusing him sitting down and then had the, the sky camera thrust into his face. But no, I think he spoke brilliantly. And I think that goes, the you know, for the same for, for Joe Worrell and I think Steve Cook in the dressing room. That that um, togetherness has just been incredibly evident. And I interviewed Gary Birtles Friday night, for, obviously former Forest player, and he spoke about how all the former players, the legends of, of Forest have been invited back to watch training various events and there hasn't been that you know paranoia i think you know uh, around the club and and that um i don't know the the history of the club i think it's probably been a burden i think everyone's spoken of that the brian clough days and etc cetera, etc cetera. so Steve steve cooper has just welcomed that and there's been an incredible togetherness he seems absolutely thrilled to have that job to be at that club and um He's really trusted his players and put belief back into them. And I think, yeah, the style of play as well, that's quickly been taken on board by all the players. And yeah, he deserves enormous credit. And, you know, I was unsure as to whether it was the right appointment because I was down at Swansea quite a lot during lockdown and uh, and watching them at the Liberty. And, you know, it wasn't a brilliantly entertaining watch. This Forest side absolutely has been. So he's had an incredible season.
2: Yeah, really got me when he spoke about Forrest having changed his life it right, sounds ridiculously cheesy but he has definitely changed our lives going to see Forrest is a totally different experience now and, and he's totally united the club in a way that nobody has done uh, since Brian Clough I love that Joe Worrell interview to uh, Clarkey talking about how
1: if you, if you treat any, any dog with kindness and they, they become a, a, a nice dog you know what I mean? If you, if you mistreat one, then they're, they're aggressive. And we were, we've been a mistreated team. And
2: that's what Steve Cooper had done. Uh, also enjoyed Steve Cook saying that he was planning to go, go full f- Jack
1: Grealish.
4: That might be the quote <laughs> of the day for me. <laughs> yeah, it used to be full, full Freddie Flintoff. Now it's full Jack Grealish, isn't it? So, <laughs> yeah. And he, he deserves it. What a signing he was, by the way. Steve Cook. Double promotion for him, really, coming from Bournemouth. So... Yeah, and, and I think his experience in the top flight will be an asset moving forward for them. So, yeah, good on them. And and yeah, Cooper killing the players with kindness. I just thought that was a great... That was a great quote, wasn't it, from, from Joe Worrell? And, and it, it does show the value of just telling people you're really good and I believe in you. And and suddenly you, you, you do start to believe it. So, yeah, faultless, really, Steve Cooper this season. Absolutely outstanding. And I think he'll... He'll make Nottingham Forest as competitive as they can be in the Premier League. I think how they fare will be dependent on how much they spend. But him as a coach, I think he's ready to to pit his wits against the, the top flight managers. And I think that he can, yeah, he can cause some upsets.
2: Sam, in, in terms of potential incomings, I guess Forrest will be looking to keep hold of some of the loanies, Jed Spence, James Garner, uh, Philip Zinconagel and Keenan Davis. Uh, Garner apparently going to get the chance to impress Eric Ten Hag. Spence might be difficult to keep hold of. Do you think they'll be trying to do that and, and would you be making moves for, for Davis and Zinconagel?
1: I think you would try and keep all four, I, ideally. Um, yeah, I think you're probably going to need competition maybe at, in the centre of the park maybe a bit more Premier League experience. Not to say that Yates and Garner haven't been brilliant. And I, I would go along the same line for that number 10 position. I think Zinchenko will be a really good get, but you probably want someone to, to add a few more goals, a bit more creativity. Um, but yeah, I think they've all had such an impact. And what happened yesterday gives Forrest an opportunity to go into the market and try and get these deals done, which wouldn't be the case had they run, fallen the wrong side of that result. So. Yeah, I'd be very optimistic if I was a Forest fan that you could probably get maybe two, three of those over the line for next season. Garner may be doubtful, but it might be the best thing for him to go out to a, a Premier League side who's not going to be challenging maybe in the the higher echelons, you know, top six, top eight, and um, get some regular football at the, uh, the top level.
4: Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think that, that Spence is the one that you really want. I think he's he's undoubtedly Premier League ready. Keenan Davis, you, as good as he's been, you could argue, is he going to make the difference in the Premier League? The same with Garner. Uh, you know, it, I thought he had a wonderful playoff final. He was really good. But um, yeah, who knows? I, I think they should try to sign all four, but it, I don't know how. whether it would be disastrous if they missed out on, on one or two. I think they've been linked heavily with Morgan Gibbs-White this morning. He He's apparently on the radar of Steve Cooper, wants to make him his first signing. And if Wolves are... Willing to sell. I think that Gibbs White, maybe in preference to Zinkenagle, would be a very good move. Young, fast improving, scores more goals, um, can play up front if necessary. I think he's a he's a shining light. So yeah, it'd be fascinating. I think getting getting a real quality centre forward to play alongside Johnson is key. Look at Leeds, look at Brentford. Leeds had Bamford, delivered. Brentford had Tony, okay, a lot of the goals were penalties, but he still delivered for them big time, I think, last season as a, as a talisman. The Forrest needs someone of that level alongside Brendan Johnson, I think, at the top end of the pitch to score the goals they need to to win the matches that they need to survive. Well, the recruitment's been excellent since Dame Murphy came in, so
2: hopefully that'll continue. Uh, What of Huddersfield then, Sam? We've spoken about how good their recruitment's been over the last year or so. Is the main thing for them going to be keeping hold of Carlos Corboran over the summer, or or will he be there to to have another tilt at promotion come July the 30th, believe it or not?
1: (laughs) I think he will be, yeah, because he's built something pretty remarkable this year. The interesting thing will be, I suppose, how they, they attack next season, tactically, maybe. You know, he went away from kind of Bielsa Ball this year, very impressively, I think, you know, in his own right, creating a a team that, you know, stopped the opposition ultimately and they they defended differently. It wasn't that kind of man-for-man style. So now that people know a little bit more about him, what he's about as an individual, that'll be really fascinating next year, next year. and how they, they recruit because... Again, you know, the likes of Tom Lees and, and Pearson, Jordan Rhodes, they were, you know, it was, it was a bit of a eye-opener really last year to think, you know, what, what are they doing here? How are they going to set up? Why are they going for these kind of experienced championship players rather than maybe more exciting players off the continent that you might have anticipated? So, yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting. But it seems like, uh, you know, from all the articles I've, I've read recently, they, they seem to do things a little bit differently at Huddersfield. He seems to have been able to have a a big say in in what goes on, on and off the pitch. And I think, you know, with the right kind of additions, they could challenge again. I mean, whether they're going to get in the playoffs again, that's a, you know, that's a big question. I'd, I doubt it next year, because I think there's probably going to be, you know, a lot of teams that improve in the second tier. Yeah, they need more goal scorers, I think, Huddersfield Town.
4: What The one thing you can't, that's is indisputable is that Carlos Corbrand improves players. I think he improves players in a way that I've not seen from anyone since Chris Wilder. You <laughs> think about what Chris Wilder did at Sheffield United. He he developed a, a really modern brand of exciting football that was a bit different with players that had basically been playing in League One. And I think you could look at Corbran and, and, and the sort of technical side of what he's done and say something similar. So he's clearly a really good coach. Just needs a yeah slightly higher level calibre of forward player. And I think they'll be, um, they'll be there be thereabouts again.
2: So Huddersfield will have another crack next time around. Congratulations to Fulham, Bournemouth and Forest all in the Premier League next season. Well, we made some predictions at the start of the season as to how we thought the Championship would pan out. Let's bring in producer Abby. She can tell us just how wrong we were.
5: Well, not all of you were wrong. One of you got the champion correct, and uh, that was not you, Matt. You said Sheffield United would win because of Jokanovic. And Adrian, you said Bournemouth would be champions, but Sam, right right on the money with Fulham. Not on the money, though. Playoff final prediction from Parkin was Bournemouth to beat Sheffield United, and he did have West Brom in his uh, going-up selection, as did Adrian, uh, who had Fulham going up. But it's Matt Davis-Adams' predictions that do need playing back because, well, just listen and find out.
2: I've gone left field for my two promoted team choices. I'm going Middlesbrough and I thought this even before Ryan made the point about their bully boy status. I'm going Middlesbrough just because Warnock. Uh, And I'm also going for the two-time champions of Europe, Nottingham Forest, because I've made this prediction every year for 22 years (laughs) And I'm duty bound to do so. Twenty two years, Ryan. That's more than half my life, and I'm old. Matt, Matt, Matt I, I I respect you most of the time. You cannot come <laughs> on this podcast with this unserious manner. Pick a serious team. Pick a serious hey, team, R- please. Hey,
1: Ryan. More question marks about drinking on a Monday lunchtime? Surely, <laughs> it's outrageous. You own well, alone. We Matt. Play
2: this back at the end of the season when we've stormed the division. You're not going to be eating <laughs> humble tricky tree pie. They called me a madman. I mean, <laughs> when you're right, you're right. If you make the same prediction 23 years in a row, one year, it'll come off. Um, mixed bag there, I think it's fair to say, Clarkie. You, Jukanovic leading Sheffield United to glory, not my finest moment.
4: <laughs> no, but you called for us to go up and, and that trumps everything, doesn't it? And especially given the stick that, that Ryan Conway was dishing out there. That was, that was some laugh. And who's had the final one? Hey, <laughs> uh, no, well done to you. Yeah, it's always a bit, it's always a little bit uh, dodgy making these predictions, especially if they get played back. And Abby's clearly got everything on file now, so um, yeah, pressure's on ahead of next season.
2: Sam, it was a tight one, but you are right about Fulham. Eventually, I mean, just just 106 goals for them. <laughs> Who could have predicted that they'd be champions?
1: Quite pleased with my Bournemouth Sheffield United shout as well. Not not far <laughs> away. I was egged on by Ryan there as well, Matt. In my defence, <laughs> you know, if you're going to get a derby correspondent on, then you're going to say that type of thing. I'm jumping on Ryan's back, aren't I?
2: Fair enough. You were both very, very wrong. Uh, right, there was another playoff final this weekend. It was the League Two one. We'll talk about it next.
3: FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu.
0: Place your bets, welcome to Pep Roulette.
3: Charlotte, feeling confident today, me?
0: And your selection? Just start up front. Blue number 9 and 26, uh, 17 as well, just behind the front, too, like. Excellent, good luck. Blue number 7, unlucky sir. Oh, Sterling, he started last week! Predicting Pep's lineups is hard, but fortunately, we've made our bet builder easy. Simply choose a top pre built bet builder, click Add to Bet Slip, select your stake, and done. Paddy Power. Online exclusive. T's and C's Supply, 18BGambleAware.org.
5: You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network.
0: looking for those who are arriving, and Wilson will pick
2: up the pieces. James Wilson, leading the line, and leading the promotion push.
1: Wilson now taken out by Hawkins, who's already been booked, and the yellow card is out again, which means just one thing. In the 35th minute, Mansfield Town have two goals down, and a man light. It's all going wrong for the Stags. Get the Port Vale party started. Ten months of hard work. comes to nothing for Mansfield Town, but means everything for Port Vale. I want to dedicate that to my poor, that I lost Ellie Clark. I'll dedicate a win to her. She's up there. Helpful as that today. So proud of her. So proud of my family. And as for this, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. You know, we stuck together. Belief, togetherness, spirit, desire. I love those lads, I love my staff and I just thought it's a
2: fitting end, but I would like to dedicate it to Ellie. League One awaits for the Valiants. Port Vale will be in League One next season. They swept aside Mansfield Town in Saturday's League Two playoff final at Wembley. Kian Harrit and James Wilson scored twice in the space of four first half minutes after which Ollie Hawkins was sent off to mean the game was all but done. By half time, Sam, you were there for this one. Was was the key moment of the game that Jamie Murphy shot, which was well saved after the mix up early on. Nigel Clough said it would have been a different game had that gone in.
1: Yeah, quite possibly. You saw during that spell what kind of Mansfield were about. Got some good te- technical midfield players. I thought the pattern was almost set by then. Uh, what I just said there and 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 Paul Bell just had a bit more thrust, a bit more dynamism going going forward, especially in the wide positions, which we'd seen already, but that was a big chance. That was a a chance he should have taken, just needed to head it either side of Aiden Stone and and Reese Oates later in the first half had an equally good chance, which he didn't really catch. There was a large portion of the goal, which was unguarded, which he should have found. So they had two big chances. Port Vale were incredibly clinical with their two. And there was a red card into the mix as well, but you can't take away that. Port Vale were even, 11 v 11 looking like the more likely side. And, um, yeah, it was a, a very, very comfortable passage into to League One for Port Vale and an amazingly emotional day for, for daryl Clark. Obviously, um, it was kind of written, wasn't it? I think all the neutrals probably were back in Port Vale going into this. And yeah, you could see, you could see the emotion, you know, even with 10 minutes to go, I was keeping a, keeping an eye on their technical area and, um, Incredible day for him after what has been just a, a, dreadful few months. Yeah, well done to the Man- Mansfield supporters for their uh, applause in
2: solidarity of him in the eighth minute. But just incredible strength of character for him to be able to to make it back to work in the first place, but to uh, to then do what he did— incredibly impressive. And and Clarky on the on the group chat, you were pointing out that that tactically he found the the hole in Mansfield's system effectively in that midfield diamond and, and ruthlessly exploited it.
4: Yeah, I think the the way to get the better of a diamond in, in my history, sort of of playing and then analyzing football, the best way to sort of uh, punish that is quick switches of play to the flanks. It's you know especially if you've got two forwards, which they had, put one of them that leans on one of the fullbacks and then switch the play out to the wing, and it effectively it's asking a central midfielder or a centre forward to track a fullback. And, and they, they weren't able to react quickly enough, Mansfield Town, to those switches of play. Just just look at the goals. Wilson, the first one, switched it to Benning. From there, you know, deflected cross and how it, how it scores. Goal two, Worrell again, the spare man. And from that, obviously, he hangs the cross up for Garrity. Trademark late run and header from him. And, and they snaffle the rebound. And, and even for the third goal, it's Worrell, isn't it, getting to the byline. For the other wing back... To convert at the, at the far post, I thought that Warren and Benning were were fantastic, and Mansfield, yeah, tactically didn't really have an answer to it playing in that in that diamond setup. So well played, uh, well played Port Vale. They were the absolute deserving winners. Yeah, Daryl Clark nailed it tactically, and um, yeah, I just thought it was it was perfect day for them, wasn't it? it I thought that that minute's applause was amazing from both both sets of fans. I love the fact that Daryl Clark let. Andy Crosby lead the team out so that was a really really kind gesture as well on his part and um, and now that we know what he's been through because we didn't know really for sure before um, it is it is remarkable and you can't help but feel feel pleased for him in, in obviously such tragic circumstances
2: Sam are you with Clarkie that the Mansfield set up was the, uh, the big factor in this game or certainly something that, that Nigel Clough would change if he had his time again
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. And we had a brilliant vantage point where we were commentating from uh, at the weekend. And um Clark, he's spoken about that, that diamond and I just felt, uh, well, speaking to people within the game, um, when you play that diamond, your two outside midfield players have to have the energy to, to get out. And I thought Longstaff and, and Quinn, both of them you know have had, well, Quinn's had an excellent career. Longstaff's going to have an excellent career just lacked that mobility to get out and, and help and close those spaces. And for the second goal, I think it was McLaughlin, the left-back of Mansfield, who's been brilliant flying forward this season, he actually got involved with one of the centre forwards in the middle of the pitch. And when the ball was switched out to the right-hand side for the world delivery, as Clarkey said, it was Jamie Murphy running back in a left-back position. He's your number 10, your, your creator. And there were times in the first half where Bowery was in a in a right back. It was it was incredible. I don't know if they maybe because they've changed the system a little bit recently, they're a little bit unsure or the occasion got to them, but they were all over the place in that opening 45 minutes. And ironically, they lose a player. He puts Bowery at right wing back, McLaughlin at left wing back, and we hardly saw Worrell and Benning in the second half until that wonderful goal that they combined for. So with ten men, they actually did a more diligent defensive job, which you know can happen because you can't be as cavalier. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it was it was pretty alarming to see from from that point, um, sorry that that vantage point, just how open they were in the first half. And yeah, Wilson, as as Clarkie touched on as well, just his position so elusive, couldn't get near him, and he was the um, the source of a lot of their attacks.
2: Nigel Clough said afterwards, I don't care if I don't see another football game for the foreseeable future. Football is a horrible game sometimes. And sometimes I have to say, Wembley is a horrible place. This is a man who scored in cup final wins at Wembley Stadium. Um, It's quite the statement. It's an interesting one, isn't it, Adrian? 20 years since Mansfield have been in the third tier. They've had loads of investment of late. Uh, Obviously, this is Nigel Clough reacting, uh, you know, in the immediate aftermath of the game. But are you backing him to, to... Get them up next season, if indeed he's sticking around. It
4: felt like this one really stuck in his crawl. Yeah, I think he, he he's emotional because they've they've not turned up in the biggest game of all. They've worked so hard to get there. They've climbed from the relegation zone into the playoffs. They've got to the final, and then in that big match, the crunch game, his team have been poor. And um, yeah, he's he's just yeah, it's the emotions talking. I think he will come back. He's still a very good manager. You can't ignore the fact that with that diamond set up they went on that amazing unbeaten run that got them there but I think for the diamond to work you've got to monopolize the ball you've got to make it a real possession game where you're 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 destroying the opposition through through clever movement and, and unpredictability and and they've done that at times and they'll get back to doing that I'm sure but they've got to work out a way to cope with those switches of play better than they did on the day because that was a disaster waiting to happen so yeah there's work to do but no, they will be he'll be backed they'll no doubt get a striker in I think this summer and as Sam rightly points out have to get more legs in that midfield um, because yeah Sam Sam's absolutely bang on with with the, the, the attributes needed to be a wide midfielder in that system you've got to be fit as a fiddle you've got to be able to get, get out um, on regular occasions. And, and yeah, Quinn and Longstaff are not those guys, I don't think.
2: Uh, what about Vale, Sam? Next season, really well run club by all accounts. We saw Morecambe win the playoffs last term and, and just about survive. W- would you expect that to be Port Vale or will they be thriving in tier three next term?
1: I think they'll have better resources than, than Morecambe to to make a better fist of it, in, in all truth. And I think that probably comes from from the owners. I didn't actually realize, you know, how much of an overhaul there'd been at that, at that club. You know, Daryl Clark has had a had a big job on, um, you know, changing that squad around. He's obviously aided by David Flitcroft. It's a director of football type setup there. But, you know, I said it on, on Saturday on Quest, you know, there's a lot of similarities to the feel good factor that there is at my former club, Swindon. You know, they've gone from an owner who let's face it, the fans absolutely detested. I remember going to Port Vale three or four years ago. I mean, the atmosphere, I remember going down and getting a cup of tea. The supporters just absolutely, uh, you know, weren't on board with the the ownership. The football was dire. They were at a real low ebb. So I think the turnaround has been enormous. And I think that comes from the Shanahan's, you know, local people want the club to thrive. They've got the ability to probably have big gates, I would say, to have a good support. Um, so I'd imagine Daryl Clark will be backed and the the aim next season would probably be to consolidate, if not better. And there isn't a big gap between League Two and League One, we always say it. So I'd expect them to stay up because I think they'll have you know, more money to spend and, and better resources than some of the other clubs in League One.
4: I'll tell you what I was really impressed with, and that was the centre-backs, the wide centre-backs joining in as sort of supplementary midfielders, a little bit like Sheffield United. I thought it was... Yeah, just a really good setup. Everyone really comfortable with their, their style of play. They played more football than than maybe I'd given them credit for previously. It was it wasn't just about the power and the athleticism. They they had some real tactical nous on the day, and I thought Pet and Taylor in central midfield were really solid as well. So yeah, great day for them. And on on the basis of what we saw at Wembley, yeah, they're good enough to. So maybe replicate what what Cambridge and Cheltenham did in League One last season. And that's, that's you know, survive.
2: Congrats then to Port Vale. They can look forward to the 23rd of June when the fixtures for next season are released. A new campaign gets underway on the final weekend of July. Uh, let's bring Abby back in now. She can give us some odds on the likely winners of each division next season, courtesy of Paddy Power
5: and you will not be surprised to hear that it is Watford under former Forest Green boss Rob Edwards who are the favorites to win the championship they are 15 to 2 followed by Norwich who are 8 to 1 but Burnley the other rele- relegated team from the Premier League they are only the fifth favorites to win at 12 to 1 and if you fancy wasting some money Sunderland are 20 to 1 to win the championship no surprises for who's going to win league 1 next year because we all said it about this season just gone Ipswich 11 to 2 they're the favorites Sheffield Wednesday 6 to 1 and Derby 9 to 1 complete the top three and really no prizes for guessing who's going to win league two next year who do you think Paddy Power have got as number one as they do every year Salford that's the one (laughs) seven to one for Salford to win Bradford eight to one Stockport ten to one to win league two and your four relegated teams from league one are either 16 to one or 20 to one to top division four
2: Thanks, Abby. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com. All the Paddy Power app is over 18s only. Prices are accurate at the time of
3: recording. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime.
5: you're listening to the totally football league show part of the athletic podcast network if you want to read more football league content from the likes of nancy Frostic, paul taylor phil buckingham peter rutzler and more of the athletics best writers you can do so by heading to theathleticcom athletic.com forward slash league show and get yourself a subscription of just one pound a month for the next six months that's theathleticcom athletic.com forward slash league show
2: Uh, There have been more managerial movements since last we spoke. Forest Green Rovers have named Ian Birchnell as the successor to the departed Rob Edwards. Birchnell led Notts County to the National League playoffs this season where they were beaten by Grimsby, previously in charge of Ostersund in Sweden, where he replaced Graham Potter. Uh, He's only 39. Bit of a strange one this, Clarky. He's had a couple of goes of getting Notts out of the National League and hasn't managed to do it and he'll be in League One next season. I know he's highly rated and there's obviously circumstances at every
4: club, but a surprise? Yes and no, really. I think if you look at his win ratio, quite modest, really. All of the clubs he's been at, I think that Notts County, he took them into the playoffs a couple of times, which is good, but but didn't ultimately get them out of that division. So I think there's a question mark over his ability to lead a club to promotion, but he is a very good coach. He's got a UEFA Pro licence. He's 39. You have to be under 40 these days to be offered a job in the EFL we all know that and uh, and so so in that sense not not surprised no I wish him the best of luck I think he's meant to be a very good coach nice guy he'll yeah he'll continue the good work of Rob Edwards I'm sure a little bit of continuity there with, with the style of coaching potentially uh, which is sensible but can he get the results alongside the development of individual players we'll we'll wait and see Dale Vince couldn't resist having a pop at Watford after their
2: acrimonious appointment of uh, Edwards. Vince said, big credit to Notts County for the way they handled this. Between us, we've shown how moves in football can still get done properly and above board. Meow. Meanwhile, another coach has gone from National League playoff defeat to an EFL job. Barrow have named Pete Wilde as their new manager following his Halifax side's playoff loss to Chesterfield. You might remember Phil Brown was parachuted in to keep Barrow up. He managed to do that. but They couldn't agree a deal for him to continue. So Wilde gets the gig. He's only 38. Uh, Sam, the the chairman, Paul Hornby, said they'd had him on their radar for a while. Another slightly odd one. This finished 6th, 10th and 4th in three seasons with Halifax.
1: Possibly, but it probably ticks all the boxes um, in terms of fitting into the maybe the the pay structure. Um, sounds like Phil Brown couldn't agree a contract, which on the face of it seems strange, given you know how good a job he did with that hellish run of fixtures that he had to contend with at the end of the season. It was you know quite the recovery, so you'd have expected him to be given the the chance. But maybe it's an opportunity to to have a fresh, you know, outlook in terms of a style of football, maybe, you know, a new, innovative, younger coach. Um, yeah, he was at Oldham a long time, I think, working his way up. Got that cup win at Fulham, if memory serves me right, when he was kind of catapulted into everyone's kind of um, imagination. So he's gained valuable experience at Halifax and we will probably feel he's ready for another shot in, in the league. And, um, yeah, Barrow have got some decent players. They showed at the end of the campaign and I'm sure they, they should improve on where they finished this year. He's their fifth manager since
2: they were promoted in 2020. Uh, after we finished recording last Monday's pod, Salford confirmed they've appointed Neil Wood as Gary Bowyer's replacement, previously in charge of Manchester United's under 23 team. So that's it, Clarkey. They've completed the set of manager that you can go for, from the experienced gaffer to, to the rookie with a season or so under his belt to the highly rated youth coach from a Premier League team.
4: Yeah, they're sheepy, aren't they? The uh the <laughs> Salford owners. Um following the trends. But look, we wish Neil Neil would well. He was at Manchester United. You're not a coach of Manchester United under 23s unless you're a decent. Um, so, so yeah, his pedigree will be very good I'm sure on the training pitch But it's different, isn't it? He's worked his way up, Neil Wood From the under-13s all the way through Proving himself to be a fantastic coach That they've backed and supported But it's men's football and it's different And, and when you're being paid to to win Rather than develop it's, it's a different kettle of fish Some thrive Neil Critchley has shown that at Blackpool Others too uh, but but some struggle with that step up. So I think it's a risk of sorts. But uh, he's local. He'll clearly be able to tap in, won't he, to the, to the old Trafford production line. So it'll be interesting to see how many United loanees uh, come on board at Salford next season. But no, wish him luck. Salford might be favourites for League Two. I've been sucked in in the past um, backing them or tipping them. I don't think I will be tipping them um, come... Late July, I, uh, yeah, I think I think this appointment is is a little bit of a of a risk, and it could go one or two ways.
2: Is the risk Sam? Because you, you go from under twenty three to League Two specifically. I'm just thinking, you know, in the case of, of Critchley in a division where perhaps there's a little bit more football played, where it's quite industrial, obviously in League Two. That's going to be quite a shift for him, that from going for. Games that are not dead rubbers, but you know you get as much time on the ball as you could possibly want, and and are rarely that competitive
1: to the hurly burly of League Two. That that's quite an adjustment, no? I think it's changing the the landscape because there's been great examples of sides getting out of the division, playing you know really attractive football. I see this as a real positive step actually for for Salford because I think we've been struggling to understand what the identity is there, what the plan has been. So maybe this will be just be a little bit more definitive. And I didn't think Gary Bowie did a particularly bad job, but maybe that's just the straw to break the camel's back. And now they actually have to think, right, what are we actually going to do for the next five years? How are we going to get out of this division and and hopefully out of League One in, in time? And maybe it is going to be tapping into, you know, younger players that, that play a certain way, that are educated a certain way. And, well, what, you know, time will tell, but I think they have to trust Neil Wood now for... The next couple of seasons and and try and you know recruit a type of player to fit into his style of football you know there'd be no good you know um changing this halfway through this campaign and going for a tried and tested experienced manager who's going to play a different style i think this is a a big big moment for salford and, and hopefully a positive step what we see
4: with I've, I've interviewed a number of um, these types of coaches this season people who have, have climbed the ladder in in terms of the academy system and going into the 23s and, and first team setups the impression I always get is how thorough these guys are. I really think of everything He' been used to obviously dealing a lot with analysis but also tapping into you know working on players as people or getting to know them and working on that connection. And, and maybe he'll bring in some some things from Manchester United in terms of match day preparation that, that the players might not have seen before. They, the people that work for these big clubs in the Academy setups, they, no stone is left unturned. And I think he'll bring a culture to Salford that maybe they, they, they wouldn't have had on, under a Gary Bowyer. So it'd be interesting to see. and yeah, I'm with Sam, I think' it's, it's more positive than negative for sure. And um, but but yeah, we'll have to wait and see whether the, it translates to results on the pitch. It might be a slow burner.
2: Well, good luck to Woodwild and Birchnell. Sounds like a I don't know glamping company, maybe something like that. Uh, enough of this. Abby's done a quiz for us to finish off. Abby, ask us some questions. Oh.
5: <laughs> so I have written out nine questions. It is uh, three per division, and it should be fairly straightforward because you have all watched uh, the season. So. Begin nice and easily. Who did Fulham beat 5-1 on the opening day of the season?
2: So we we're going to write these down, listener, as you can too, and then you can um, you can fill in the blanks with us.
5: Okay. And question number two: Fill in the team on this Nancy Frostic article headline: Mighty, not massive. Team name: Keep bouncing back. Hmm. So, fill in the team name that's missing from this article headline: Mighty, not massive team name keep bouncing back
0: hmm tough
5: team name is obviously not in the article <laughs> keep that keep that on going in the back of your mind question number 3 who was scunthorpe manager at the start of the season <gasps> scunthorpe who won four games all season
1: not mm. massive
2: you're still <laughs> thinking about the last one. Mighty well, not, not, test, not is massive it? is so the name of this episode. By
5: <laughs> <then>. <laughs> this next question is: I sort of thought about it at the time that it happened. I was like, "This will be a good question for a quiz." A storm stopped Bournemouth and Forest facing each other in February. What was the name of that storm? <laughs> one tackle, two red cards. No, not a YouTube video. Which <laughs> game saw this event happen? And I will give you bonus points for the players. <gasps>
4: I was going to say that, yeah, no, I'm completely in a muddle now. I was going to say Gabriel Martinelli, but that was two yellow cards (laughs) and that was Premier (laughs) (laughs) League.
5: Question number six, where do Barrow play? The sponsored name of their ground.
4: Mm, Because when
2: we had Phil Brown on, he said, I need to remember the name, don't I?
5: Whether he still remembers it now that he's gone is another matter entirely.
4: I can't remember it. I'm not going to win this quiz. (laughs) (laughs) Some sort of garden (laughs) centre.
5: That would be good. It's not the answer. Okay. Question seven, just three to go. How many goals did the big Chilean forward Ben Brereton Diaz score in 2022? So just. Is this all
2: comps or league?
5: All comps. Plus Chile? Well, it's whatever Soccer Base told me. How many goals has Ben Brereton-Diaz scored in 2022? Having got off to such a flyer.
4: Got loads, didn't he?
5: But only this calendar year, so January to May. Question number eight. We all remember that Wimbledon did not win a game after December. But how many games did they go without a win? (laughs) In the league. tough.
2: I think there's going to be some pretty low scores on this It's quiz. going
5: to be so low. <laughs> and your final question. Prime Gaming sponsor which team? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gaming.
2: I mean, absolutely
4: no idea, but i will put a stab in the dark down. I think you overestimate our... Um... Intelligence... Yeah, prime w- Ability to to retain information beyond the day. Yeah. Uh, prime game. Listen, if you got
2: that one right and you're not a fan of the team, you have my undying respect.
5: Question number 10 is how many times have Nottingham Forest won the European Cup?
3: Ha. Ah. <laughs>
5: okay, we're going to run through the answers. Question number one, who did Fulham beat 5-1 on the opening day of the season? Matt, what's your answer?
2: Oh, I couldn't remember, but I put Reading.
5: No. Anyone else know this?
2: Huddersfield.
4: It is yeah.
5: Huddersfield. Fill in the team on this Nancy Frostic article. Mighty Not Massive. Team name. Keep bouncing back. Adrian.
4: Yeah, no idea. Um, Millwall.
5: No. Sam? had a long Chef time.
4: Wed- Chef Wednesday. I can see why you thought that, Sam.
2: I went Morecambe because of the alliteration.
5: Oh, lovely. It's Rotherham United who do keep <sighs> bouncing back. Read The Athletic more. Who was the Scunthorpe manager at the start of the season, Sam?
4: Neil Cox. Correct. Yes, got one. Yeah, triple,
5: triple. Well done, everybody. A storm stopped Bournemouth and Forest facing each other in February. Matt, what was the name of that storm? Eunice. It was Storm Eunice. Anybody else?
4: Yes. Yeah. No,
1: not for me. <laughs> not
3: for
4: you. I can't believe it. I think I'm, I might have. My scoring might have ended here.
3: Okay.
5: Clark well.
4: and I have always been strong on uh, <laughs> meteorological matters.
3: Of to be course. fair,
5: so. One tackle, two red cards. What was the game? Sam, I reckon, I feel like you did quite a long chat about this, so I reckon you remember this one.
1: I think it's Gillingham Fleetwood, and I think correct. it was Charlie Kelman and Paddy Lane.
5: Correct, correct.
1: Brilliant. Wow, fantastic.
5: I'm going to give you one point for the match and two bonus points for the players as well.
1: Well
2: done, Sam. I'm Thank you.
5: Nothing from Adrian on that one. And Matt? No,
2: nothing. <laughs> I got the fixture, right?
5: You got the fixture. Well mm. Where do Barrow play, Adrian? Uh, Barrow. Cool. <laughs> you're not wrong
1: Is it a Building society Bank
5: No
2: Type vibe
1: no. Is no. it not no. I've
2: gone the Sands End Stadium
5: Is oh, that right Oh you're so close You're so close It's the Dunes Hotel Stadium Oh <laughs> <laughs>
2: Half a point for the fact that dunes are often comprised of sand.
5: I'm tempted. I'll think about it later. (laughs) Um, I don't think it will help you. Uh, How many goals has BBD scored in 2022? And I'll give you a goal either side to be generous. Or blimey. Adrian. Two. It's three. So you're getting a point for that. Oh, I had one. I had one as well. Three goals.
2: I think that's amazing, Abby, because he's got the answer wrong. So why would you get a point for that? Steady on, Matt. Steady on. (laughs) Come on.
5: How many league games did Wimbledon go without a win at the end of the season?
1: I went 24. It's more than that, I think. It
5: is more than that.
1: Yeah, I went 24. I went 26.
5: Oh, one off. It's 27. Technically, by my previous question rules, that would be a point. Get in there. (laughs) And finally, Prime Gaming sponsor which team? They were previously sponsored by Burger King. Oh, I got it. Uh, it Randomly...
1: Is it Stevenage? It is
3: Stevenage. That was a pluck from nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we
5: can categorically say that Sam's many appearances on Quest have led him to be (laughs) the ultimate EFL quiz champion 2021-2022.
2: I got three there. What did
1: you finish on, Sam? Um, One, two... What did I get for the Gillingham Fleetwoods?
5: I've got you down as having seven points. Wow. (laughs) You just
4: stacked up the points on that one question. I mean, that's a disgrace, really. It was a great answer.
1: Charlie Kelman had gone for a good five minutes as well. So thank (laughs) you. It was a
4: great answer, but is it worth my grand total of four in one question? I don't know. We'll let the listener decide, but it's fine.
2: There's a, there's a big case to say that four should be three, really, but you know, let's not let's not finish the season on a on a sour <laughs> note. Um, we are finishing oh, well the done, season Sam. there, though. Well done, Sam. Well done, thank you. Clarkie Well done, Abby, for helping us get through this season. Everybody else who's joined us as well, we've had some fabulous contributors, uh, and we thank them all. Mainly, though, listener, we are grateful for your continued support. It's not very long until the new EFL season kicks off. We will be here to look forward to it all with you. Until then, have a great summer. Thank you for joining us throughout the 2021-22 season. We'll catch up with you again soon. Bye for now.
5: You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic.